0: Wow, what a great morning. If you, were, uh, if you were with us a couple weeks ago in North Carolina, it was snowing this time of day, and uh, we were all just chattering teeth and, and uh, huddled together, praying for warmth, and, and now we've, we've got it. This is beautiful, beautiful. Lord, thanks a lot for today. Just thank you for the sunshine. Thanks for your creation. Thanks for the ability to come out here and race four-wheelers and UTVs and even dirt bikes tomorrow. We're, uh, we're grateful to be here. We're grateful to be your, your, um, your special creation. Would you speak to us this morning, open our hearts to hear, give me the words to say, uh, may it all make sense, and uh, just draw us closer to yourself and closer to your son Jesus, in his name, amen. Well, this week is a, um, this round, this race in particular, is a is a tough one. Uh, in some sense It was actually not the physical date But it was this round last year 2014 And I remember exactly where I was parked I was facing that way And Pro Row was going that direction And I got news That uh, two, of, uh, two of our racing family Had been killed On their way to this race Laz and Marianne Summers Of GT Thunder And um, I just I couldn't Honestly couldn't even believe it and uh, I remember walking over to Jeff and Tracy's trailer, and just saying, "Is it is it true?" And the and the look on their face that yeah, it, it's it's true. We we don't even <laughs> we don't even know what to do, except to just keep on going forward, because that's what that's what Laz and Marianne would have wanted from us. And uh, before the weekend was over, I had been asked to do the funeral, and uh, it was. Um, It was the Saturday before Easter was the day of of the funeral. was the day before Easter that I was in Ohio and uh, was able to speak to a packed auditorium. Not because I'm any kind of a good speaker. God knows better than that. We all know better than that. But this packed auditorium of people, some of who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ before, but because of a tragic event gathered together and God just spoke through me. And I know that lives were, were touched and were affected that day. And we just kind of wonder, what was God's purpose in all of that? And by the end of today's message, what I want us to understand is that there's an eternal purpose for everything. That there's an eternity that stretches on beyond us. And I don't know, I forget what the latest statistic is for how long our lives are expected to live here in America. 72.25 years, I think it is. But it's so much more than that. But it seems that for 72 and a half years, we spend our time praying for stuff and asking God to do things for us. And we have this mindset of, God, if you would just come through for me so I could have a better motorhome. God, if you would come through for me so I could have a significant other. And these are my personal prayer requests. God, if you would come through for me so that I could have the things that I want to get through this life in a comfortable manner. Kind of like what you've done for that guy over there. And God's saying, it's about eternity, bro. He's, he's saying, this life is just a vapor. It's a vanishing mist in the wind when you compare it to eternity. And everything that God is doing in this life is centered around eternity. And it's not just the here and the now. It's the then. It's what's coming. And God's preparing us. He's using this time, or this right here and right now, to prepare us for that. I was... Um, once again, it must be that time of year, but was reminded of this in a very close and personal way uh, just, just last week. Uh, again, a couple days before Easter, it was, it was on Good Friday, I got a phone call from Brian O'Rourke, the guy that started Team Faith Ministry, who still runs it, is very active in it. Right now, we've got a team on Arena Cross, and uh, Arena Cross was taking a break just like Supercross, took a break for Easter weekend, and, uh, and we also have a team on watercraft racing that races jet skis. And Brian had, invi- had been invited to go down to, to Tavares, Florida to hold an Easter Sunday morning service and race jet skis. And he said, well, you know, Arena Cross is off during that time, and GNCC is off during that time. I'll go down to Tavares, and I'll hold the Easter Sunday morning service. That would be really cool for me. And so Brian, uh, he's driving on Friday, driving down to, uh, to Florida, and he makes it to about Atlanta. And then my phone rings, and it's Brian, and he's calling me. And he was shaken up. And I could tell that immediately, I could tell that there was something wrong, something going on, just something in his voice. And he said, man, you need to pray. You need to pray like never before. Jason just called me. And Jason, his name's Jason Newby. He is the father of our racer that races arena cross. Dawson Newby is our racer. He's 17 years old. He's the youngest kid that's ever qualified for an arena cross main event. And Jason is his dad. Jason's about a little bit older than me, maybe 43 or so and uh jason had gone down to texas which is where the last race had been gone down to texas picked up our rig you've seen our big team faith hauler with the stacker trailer was driving that from texas back to colorado where home base is was going to work on dirt bikes and then drive it out to spokane washington which is where this weekend's arena cross is so jason was driving and then i get this phone call from brian says you need to pray like never before jason's been involved in an accident And I don't know details, but he's waiting on a life flight to come and get him, pick him up from the side of the road. I was like, what? Are are you for real? He said, yeah, and I could just tell he was serious. He said, I've already turned around. I'm not going to this race in Florida. I'm driving back to Nashville so I can get an airplane, and I'm flying out there. But Jason's called me three times. He's laying on the side of the road. I said, what in the world? As, As the story unfolded, And A lot of the details came from the media because this became a national media story that was picked up by several of the news channels. But in Oklahoma, Jason was driving our rig down the road. There was a disabled tractor-trailer semi on the side of the road, not quite off the road all the way, and a tanker truck hauling diesel fuel or one of those big gas tanker trucks was driving down the road, didn't see it in time, plowed into the end of this semi and uh, erupted into flames. The tanker truck was in flames. The driver of the disabled semi was off the side of the road. He was fine, but the driver of the tanker truck was trapped in his vehicle. And Jason saw it happen, and he stopped the the Team Faith truck on the side of the road. He actually backed it up a little bit and said, man, I think that thing's going to blow up. About the time that he was setting in the parking brake, somebody's knocking on his door. Do you have any fire extinguishers? He said, yeah, I've got two. Grabs both of our fire extinguishers and runs up to the burning tanker truck. They're able to make eye contact with the driver and start to mount a rescue effort. And as they move in, Jason and this other guy, his name is Turner, they start to move in to try and figure out how to free the driver from the wreckage of this burning tanker. And the tanker exploded. I mean, exploded like you see on a movie, blew up. And just like in a movie, blew Jason backwards about 30 or 40 feet, knocked him unconscious for for a second or two. And when he came to, um, he was still in harm's way, fire all around him, and his leg was broken and dangling. Not even dangling because he was laying. He had a great big giant hole in his leg right where the femoral artery goes through. Turner, the guy that had been beating on his door asking for a fire extinguisher, turns out that he was a combat medic over in Iraq and uh, had a medic kit with him and, uh, and did a, a proper field dressing on Jason's leg, packed it full of gauze, put a compression dressing on her, put a tourniquet around his leg, and that's when Jason started, they pulled him to safety, obviously, and that's when Jason grabbed his phone, called his wife, said, hey, I've been in an accident don't know what's going on, called Brian, said, I've been in an accident. I'm on the side of the road. Uh, I think I'm going to lose my leg. I don't know if there's any hope for my leg at all, Uh, but I'm not even sure about my life. (laughs) And even related details, like I don't hear any sirens coming. It's just eerily quiet. The interstate is shut down. There is nothing happening around me, and I'm just kind of waiting on an ambulance, and I know I'll be waiting on a helicopter if I make it that long. And Brian calls me. says pray like you've never prayed before and I did right there on the phone I just started praying my son was with me my 9 year old son we were working on the house together we stopped and we just prayed God and I just felt the Holy Spirit Jesus before he left this earth he said I'll give you a helper I'll give you the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit just within me challenged me to pray God you who raised Jesus from the dead resurrected a dead man to life something only you can do you have the power to save Jason's life and save his leg, too. We don't know what We are, it, there is nothing we can do. I'm thousands of miles away. Can't do a thing except pray to God. And we prayed, and we posted on Facebook, and we had other people praying. And as the days, as the hours unfolded, news reports started coming out, and I was able to start posting on Facebook these news clips, and, uh, and Jason was life-flighted to the hospital. He was put right into surgery. Not only did they save his life, but they saved his leg, too. Expect him to make a full recovery. guy shouldn't even be alive, and he's going to walk again. He's already walking on crutches. Two days later, they said, we're going to keep you for five days in the hospital and keep an eye on you. Next day, they said, hey, you're doing pretty good. We're going to let you go home tomorrow and uh, send him on home to Colorado. And he was able to go home. He's, he's recuperating. He's still in a lot of pain, obviously, but he's going to walk again. He's walking with crutches even today. And it's a testament that God still answers prayer. The miracles still happen. I know, without a doubt, that this was something that God did. Only God could do this. And then we say, "Well, prayer works." But what about all those other times that prayer doesn't work? I don't understand it. It seems like uh, it seems like there are so many things in my life that I have prayed for and I've not received the, the answer that I want. And uh, and so I was already for a week before this happened. I was praying about this message on prayer. <laughs> because I knew it was going to be a very difficult message for me because I don't understand prayer. God, how does prayer work? Why do you answer some prayers and you don't answer other prayers? I need your hand in this. And um, as I started studying for this message, I found that there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot uh, lot of prosperity gospels out there that if you name it and claim it, then God will do it. If you ask, you believe, you'll receive. And it's a formula. And you know, there's some legitimate places that those come from. Here, these are words written in red. If you were reading your Bible, uh, the, the words in red are the things that Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 7, it says, Jesus says, Ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find knock and it will be opened. Matthew 21 says, Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Mark 11, 24, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. And John at the end of Jesus' life, he's talking with his disciples in the upper room. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And so, therefore, we conclude our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Because if I ask in Jesus' name, God will do it. And we do this over and over and over, and yet there are so many unanswered prayers. 1986, a guy named Garth Brooks. You guys have heard of this. Heard of Garth Brooks, the country music singer. Garth Brooks meets, uh, meets a woman and he gets married, gets married to a girl named Sandy. Interesting story, Garth was in, they, they met in college, Garth was bartending, or not bartending, he was a bouncer at a bar, she put her fist through the wall in the bar and that's how they met <laughs> and they fell in love, they get married in 1986. 1989, Garth releases a number one hit called Unanswered Prayer. Based on a true story that he and his wife were at a high school football game in Oklahoma, Garth runs into his old high school flame. And sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers because she ain't what I thought she was. But Garth later admitted, he said, you know, for the first two years of my marriage, I was wondering if I made a mistake, if I married the wrong one. And then I ran into my old flame at a high school football game. And sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. And that's a touching story. And it's really cool that that's based on a real event. But in 1999, 13 years after they were married, they divorced. And so I say, all right, so was an unanswered prayer a good thing? Or was the answered prayer a bad thing? Because I'm sure he prayed for this wife. And anybody who's ever gone through a divorce, they don't pray that they'll get divorced. So what is it with all these unanswered and answered? You know, that's not good enough for me. I've staked my claim that there's a God and that he is actively involved in his creation. And unanswered prayers... That just doesn't sit well enough with me. That's not a good enough answer for me. So what is it about prayer? And in order to understand prayer, you really need to look at the whole context of Jesus' life. When you look at Jesus' life, and you look at the, at the at the time and the setting that He said these things, whatever you ask, it'll be done for you. If you ask, if you believe, if you have enough faith, it'll be done. When you look at all those things in Jesus' life, and you put it in context, what was going on? We've talked about this so far um, we have talked about this probably every race this year. Three races in, we're at four races in now. We've talked about at the time that Jesus was on earth, people wanted him to be king. The number one thing that they wanted from Jesus was, that, hey, we see that you're a natural-born leader. We see that you can do miracles that nobody else can do. You can heal the sick. I'm sure if somebody got stuck with an arrow, you could heal them. You can even raise the dead. I'm sure that if we were to mount a charge against Rome... We could win if you are at the helm. So, Jesus, will you be king of Israel? And Jesus keeps giving cryptic answers like, no. <laughs> and they're like, I don't understand. You can do this thing. You're big enough for it. Matter of fact, Jesus at one point, he says to, he says to his disciples, who do people say that I am? Peter says, you are, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You've answered well, Peter. And Peter, in his mindset, he's thinking, you're God. You can defeat Rome this could be awesome. And then Jesus says all these things about answering uh, prayer and having faith and believing. And the disciples, they start believing, Jesus, you are the Messiah. We believe. We see that you're the one that's come from God. We do believe. There's one time that, uh, that Jesus takes just a couple of his disciples and he goes up on a mountain and this is in the Gospel of Mark, he, in Mark chapter 9. He goes up on a mountain, and it's called the Transfiguration, because up on that mountain, Jesus has an experience where his, his, his garments, his clothes, turn white, like whiter than any bleach on earth could ever get him. Basically, he's glowing. <laughs> and then Elijah and Moses come down from heaven, and the three of them are talking. And Peter, it says that Peter, the guy who's always ready for action, says he didn't know what to say, and so this is what he said. He said, Jesus, let's make three tabernacles, or three tents. One for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses. Then y'all can hang out, and we can have this special holy place here. <laughs> and, then, and then the transfiguration was over, and they come down off the mountain. And I just laugh about that, because I love it, how we're always ready for action. We believe, we're ready to receive, we're ready to do something about our belief, but... It just doesn't seem to be in God's best interest to do those things. My friend Dave was telling me a story last night about how he used to be with a a Christian band, a well-known Christian band, and they would play at different venues around the country. And there was this one place they would go to down in Florida, and it was this huge church, this massive church building that would seat probably 20,000 people. But when they got there, they realized that the building's really in a state of disrepair. It's a new building. But it seems like it's falling apart, and some of the details, they just weren't done. I mean, are they having church here? What's the deal with it? So, well, this was this church was built by an 800-member congregation. And they built a 20,000-person $20, 20, uh, building because they thought that if they could build it, then God would fill it. If they would ask and they believed, then they would receive. And I thought, man, isn't that what Peter just did at the Mountain of Transfiguration? Like, hey, i got this great idea for you, God. And God just kind of ignores it, and there's that unanswered prayer request. And now this church who, who had full faith, the reason we don't get our prayers answered is because we don't have enough faith, it over and over and over, full faith. And now there's this building just sitting empty because God said no, or there's an unanswered prayer request. And so how do we reconcile that? Well, interestingly enough, Jesus comes down off the mountain of transfiguration. And uh, as he comes down, the rest of his disciples are there in the middle of a big crowd of people. And it seems like there's some commotion going on. And uh, And so he says, what's going on? And this guy comes up and says, Jesus, Jesus, I'm glad you're here because I've got this sick child. I got this problem and I brought him to your disciples and they can't seem to fix it says, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And so I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able to. And Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless generation. There's that word, faithless. You don't have any faith. How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy. He fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, says, how long has this been happening to him? The father says, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion and help us. Jesus said to him, if, if I can do anything... All things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, and so most of the people around said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him. And he rose, and when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, and they said, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, this cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Two things there. You guys have no faith. And then when the disciples asked privately, why couldn't we cast that demon out? We have faith. Jesus says, this has to be taken care of by prayer. What did Jesus not do when he was casting that demon out? He didn't pray. It's interesting that Jesus had the opportunity, but we don't have any record of him saying, oh God in heaven, have mercy on this pitiful boy and take care of this demon. No, Jesus just commanded the demon. And then he tells his disciples later on, this kind only comes out by prayer. Keep that in the back of your mind. Last week was, uh, or two weeks ago, was Palm Sunday. We talked about the triumphal entry, how Jesus is coming into into Jerusalem, and the people are hailing him as the king of the Jews. Like, you're the one that's going to conquer Rome. You're the one that's going to be our king. We are so ready for you to lead us into victory against Rome. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Bible records in Mark chapter 11 that uh, Jesus... At that night, after the first night, he returns to Bethany. The next morning, he's coming back over, and he sees a fig tree. And it's in full leaf, which means that even though it's kind of early in the season, it's got full leaf, there might be a chance to have some figs on here. I'm kind of hungry. So he goes over to the fig tree. It has no figs on it. Jesus curses the tree. May you never bear fruit ever again. He goes about his business in the city. The next morning, they're coming back in. They see that tree, and the disciples, they heard him curse the tree, and then Peter He says, uh, As they passed the the tree, Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them and said, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, it will be yours. says, Peter, this minor thing about withering a tree, that ain't nothing. If you believe and you have faith, you'll be able to pray and you'll be able to tell that mountain, jump up, go take, a, go take a hike, jump into the sea, and it'll be done. Of course, at this time, remember the disciples are thinking, Jesus, you're going to be the king that delivers us from Rome. They go into the upper room. They have their final meal. And Jesus is telling them, I'm going to die, but I'm going to resurrect. And they're like, no, you're not going to die. You're going to conquer Rome for us, right? And Jesus is like, no. And in his final instructions, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Then Jesus dies, and he is buried, and there is no hope. Because Jesus failed to meet their expectations that he would conquer Rome. Failed to meet their expectations that he would do anything for them. Had all these promises. It's interesting that one of the last things that Jesus even said to his disciples is that in this world you will have trial and you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And the disciples are all like, yeah, overcome the world. And then within a matter of hours, Jesus is dead. And there's no hope. And there's nowhere to go. And then, of course, we know the story because we all went to church last week and we saw it was Easter Sunday. Jesus rose from the grave. Something that only God could do, God did. Rose Jesus from the grave. Brought him back to life. And the disciples, they still don't get it. But when he was glorified, John chapter 12, John records that we didn't understand what was going on right in front of our very eyes. But after Jesus was glorified, that is after he ascended into heaven, we got it. And we remembered. And Jesus goes into, after 40 days, after he's been alive for 40 days, he reveals himself to the disciples. He ascends into heaven. The Holy Spirit comes. And next thing we read, anything you ask in my name, this I will do. Peter, walking into the synagogue, a beggar is there saying, help me, give me some money. Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, arise and walk. And the man jumps up and he walks. And Peter preaches to people that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that can forgive us of our sins. It's belief in him that we can have eternal life. All of a sudden, Peter's focus shifts from his 72 and a half years on this earth, and what can you do for me, God, to all of eternity? There is hope in Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus says to, to Peter, if you believe and if you pray, you can say to this mountain, arise and go into the sea, and it'll happen. What's the most amazing miracle that could possibly ever happen? Bringing a dead man to life. Absolutely. You know, we've had some miracles on Team Faith where we've prayed for people. We know that this bone is broke, but God, would you heal them? They get to the hospital, the x-ray reveals no broken bone. We say that's a miracle. That can be argued. Well, his bone wasn't really broken in the first place. I believe it was, but well, you can argue with it. But there is no arguing with, the, with, with a dead person is dead. We saw it happen with Jesus when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Four days in the grave. Lord, he stinketh. (laughs) Lazarus, come forth. Something only God can do. Jesus in the tomb for three days. It's empty. He's alive. There's no arguing about that. Acts chapter 9. Peter's in the area. There's a little town, Joppa. And this woman named Tabitha, she dies. She had a profound impact on that community. She was very much loved and she dies. All of her friends say, hey, you know what, Peter's in the area. Get Peter to come over here. Don't know what they wanted from Peter, maybe to officiate the, the funeral or whatever. But they lay her in the upper room, which is where they're having their last rites and their last visitation with the, with the dead body. And Peter goes in there, and all the widows and all the woman's friends are bringing all these garments and these things that Tabitha had sewed, and they're sewing it to Peter. And Peter finally kicks them all out of the room dropping my notes and stuff here Peter kicks them all out of the room Peter put them all outside he knelt down and he prayed and turning to the body he said Tabitha arise and she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter she sat up and he gave her his hand and raised her up then calling the saints and the widows he presented her alive and it became known through the region and many believed on the Lord I love that last phrase many believed on the Lord because that's what it's all about God has an eternal purpose. Whether it's an answered prayer or an unanswered prayer, God has an eternal purpose in what he's doing in our lives. When Jason Newby, the tanker truck, blows up, nearly takes his leg, it's an amazing story. There's aerial footage. All the news channels picked up on it. And there's this aerial footage of this wreckage, and I-35 was shut down for hours and hours, and, and, and this Massive mess, and they find out that there was a guy that was mounting a rescue effort and got blown up, and he's alive, and he's in the hospital. So many different reporters and news cameras came and and filmed the scene and got interviews with Jason. And in every single one of those interviews, Jason gave glory to God. In every single one of those interviews, they published it, and they gave glory to God. You see, when there's an answered prayer or when there's an unanswered prayer, it's for God's glory. God, why haven't you answered these prayers of my life that I've had for so long? I don't understand. God's saying, I'm doing something in you. You might not know what it is, but I have an eternal purpose. And in the the unanswered prayers in my life, I am learning to depend on God like never before. And that faith will not go unrewarded. I promise. I know it because I have faith. It's that kind of faith that will move a out. It's that faith that will raise a dead man to life. It's that kind of faith that will keep us coming back. It's that kind of faith that will shine our lights to people that are lost and dying and have absolutely no hope. But those of us who have Jesus Christ within us, we know that there's hope for today and we know that there's hope for tomorrow. And that's what God's doing. Lord, thank you for today. Just thank you for your word. Thank you for the stories. Just thank you that there are things that we don't understand that we have to fight with and wrestle with and depend on you for your understanding. I just pray that your word will come alive in our hearts, and that, uh, that through our lives, you will bring other people to yourself and expand your kingdom, the kingdom that we can't even see with our human eyes, but we know is there because you've given us your spirit. We love you. Keep these racers safe today. We'll meet again in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys, and have a great race today.